This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. Conflict. How it can change you and your marriage for the better. For notes and references, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash conflict. Love sets off a series of events that alter the course of your life. And hopefully, it's not a series of unfortunate events. Loving is about interpersonal exchanges with someone who knows you more intimately than anyone else in the world. And it's in those exchanges that make or break your love. Here's a quote from Dear John, written by Nicholas Sparks. I didn't plan on falling in love with you. And I doubt you planned on falling in love with me. But once we met, it was clear that neither of us could control what was happening to us. We fell in love despite our differences. And once we did, something rare and beautiful was created. So how does conflict change you? I'm going to be honest. I hate conflict. I just don't want to deal with conflict at all. But as long as you can be calm and you confront the conflict head on, It could be the best thing that could happen in your marriage. One thing I love about the stories of Jesus in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the way he just unabashedly faced conflict with people. I mean, whether it was one of his disciples, the Pharisees, lawyers, or government officials, he just didn't flinch. I think you can learn from that how it's better to deal with conflict than to not. Even if, the end result is not what you maybe had in mind. At least you've made things clear and put yourself on a path to make things better. Some married people avoid conflict at all costs. And sometimes I think that marriage resources lead us to think that any conflict at all is bad. But that's not true. Resolving conflict quickly is the best way to keep your love and your relationship on track. People go for years without talking about things that bother them in their marriage, then when they finally reach the breaking point, everything starts spewing out and they ruin their love. What I'm saying is that most of the time, it's better to talk about things than to let them go. Although sometimes there are some things you can let go. Just don't let those things fester and build up to something that you can't correct together. But learning to resolve that conflict can produce change in you and your relationship. So conflict is an important part of your love. And learning how to love through that conflict is just as important. So how does conflict change you? It changes you through your differences, through your disagreements, through your reconciling, and through your disappointments. So love changes you through your differences. First off, there's gender differences, right? God made Two genders with different physical and emotional needs. The big thing in American culture today is to say that gender is fluid. That means that however you feel or think is your real gender, not necessarily biology. There are even some areas in the country where kids in public schools are being taught this and even giving counseling about it without their parents' consent. Some are even being fast-tracked on cross-sex hormones to attempt to change their biological sex, which, by the way, 
has lifelong reproductive consequences. But happiness doesn't come through gender identity, contrary to what's being pushed on us today. Is gender programmed by culture? When I was in school, there was this idea that you're born a biological male or female, and gender roles are programmed by culture and experience. But God made male and female distinct in anatomical and emotional ways that are meant to match each other. But gender differences will cause some conflict in marriage. Your spouse is different from you. Those differences are probably what made you fall in love to start with. And once you have been married for a while, you discover that those differences can cause you to have conflict. You have to realize and accept those differences and reconcile what's wrong. You know, having said that, we also assign roles and expectations to gender that are not biblical. For example, the idea that women are supposed to wash the dishes and fold the laundry while men are supposed to mow the lawn outside. So it doesn't make you less of a man to get off the recliner and help your wife sometimes with the housework. And it doesn't make you less of a woman to help with the yard work. In marriage, it's best to communicate your expectations for each other. And sometimes when you say those expectations out loud, you realize just how unrealistic your expectations are. But really, The conflict of gender differences is a gift from God because learning to stay in love with someone different than you, despite all the challenges, can cause an internal change in you. So the conflicts of gender differences are not about your spouse at all. They're about you and you becoming the spouse that God intends you to be. Then there are personality differences. Opposites attract. I personally think that God made us that way. Those things that are different are what generate attraction and interest. Author Gary Chapman talks about this in some of his books. As he says it, a babbling brook often marries a dead sea. It may not always be the case, but I know from my experience that it often is. My wife is totally different from me. I'm the dead sea and she's the babbling brook. I am always cool. And when I say that, I mean always. She, on the other hand, is always emotional. But I've always found her bubbly personality attractive, and I think she finds my cool personality attractive too. Those differences, though, can cause conflict. The fact that I am always cool can be extremely frustrating for her at times. While the fact that she is always emotional can cause a cool person like me to lose their cool. But it's okay that we're different because those differences cause conflict that we're learning to live and love each other through. It's a part of a change that God is creating in our lives through our marriage. Then there's belief differences. Here's what happens in marriage. One person is raised in a family with a unique belief system about gender roles, love, and marriage. While the other person is raised in a family with a totally different belief system about those same things. Now, it's not too different, or you would not have been drawn together to begin with. Then, those same people come together with their own set of expectations that are based on their belief systems. So, each person brings their own perspectives into marriage. Those perspectives can cause some of the biggest conflict in marriage. So, here's a personal example My family all get to bed early and get up early. Growing up, 
my mom would get up early. And when I say early, I mean early. And I would wake up to the smell of a hot breakfast with grits, scrambled eggs, and bacon. That meal was our big meal of the day. Now, on the other hand, my wife's family traveled and sang at church meetings and would get home late at night and sometimes even early into the morning. So it was not unusual for them to sleep in the next day. So here's what happens. It's my day off and I'm up early making breakfast, riding, even working outside. It's hard for me to sleep in and honestly to stay up at night. My wife is the opposite and sometimes I drive her crazy with it. But there are more examples of differences that can cause conflict and some much more serious than the example that I gave. But these things are conflicts that are designed by God to produce a change in your life if you allow that to happen. God also changes us through disagreements. These are points of contention between a husband and a wife. One point of contention is faith or not having faith is an important connection in marriage, and it can trigger some disagreements. And just how important your faith is to you can also factor into this. A lot of people are what I call Sunday morning Christians, which is a reference to how people come to Sunday morning service, but maybe don't show up for anything else. But what basically means is that people don't value their faith very much. And I've even known people, by the way, who are faithful to church, but still don't demonstrate much faith in their daily lives. This is something I try to exemplify and teach my children, that being a Christian is something you do every day, not just on Sunday or at church. And the marriage relationship is this awesome opportunity to learn how to be a Christian every day. It's like the ultimate school for holiness. It's a challenge of learning to be holy by living intimately with each other every day. But how far you're willing to take your faith it can become this underlying point of contention. But here's the thing. Being a Christian in love is about dying to yourself and learning to live and serve the needs of someone else. The dying and the serving part is what really causes problems in marriage. So you fight because you don't want your own needs and desires to go unmet. And you fight because you don't want to serve the needs of someone else. So this internal battle with yourself turns into a battle with your spouse. And the outcome of this battle is either holiness or hatred, depending on how you allow God to change you. Everyone also brings a backstory into their marriage. Everyone has a story that involves how you grew up, where you grew up, how you were raised, and what happened in your life. That story makes you who you are and makes you unique from everyone else. Your story is the DNA of your life, but that same DNA can cause conflict when it's paired with someone else's. My wife and I were both raised in Christian homes, but under different circumstances. Those circumstances make us see the world in different ways. My family has always picked on each other, and we never think twice about it. I mean, most of the time, we are actually pretty mean to each other. But my wife takes things like that personally, which treating people with respect is probably more helpful than laughing at them, right? So you see how something small like that can play a big role in creating disagreements and conflicts in your marriage. I'm sure that there are many things in your marriage relationship that 
you can bring up that cause conflict. But these differences that can cause strife are nothing more than instruments of change that God has brought into your life to teach you how to become more like Jesus. They are there to change you. And if you understand this, it can bring an end to the contention that the conflict brings. I talk a lot about how different my wife's personality is from mine. When I was in school, I was the quietest kid in my class. I even got awards for best behavior. And it wasn't that I was necessarily the best behaved. It was just that I was so introverted, I was like invisible to my teacher. My wife, on the other hand, constantly got in trouble for talking in class. She even tells stories about having to take notes home from her teacher. So the pensive loner marries the bubbly talker. And they live happily ever after. Well, (laughs) most of the time anyway. Our personalities can cause some major conflict in our marriage. Sometimes the spaghetti western Clint Eastwood loner in me really gets under her skin. Because she actually wants some meaningful conversation from time to time. And sometimes I just don't want to talk. I just want to be quiet and think. You can see how this can be a problem. But learning to live with each other through these differences can produce positive change. And I think that's what being a Christian in love is all about. It's funny how people see things differently. The newspaper used to have this picture in the Sunday edition when we actually read the newspaper. But it had this picture. It was just random blocks of colors. But if you focus your eyes a certain way, you could see an image in the inside the random blocks of colors. But I could never see that image. My dad and my older sister could always see it, but I never could. And we have all seen those what color is this pictures on the internet where some people see blue and some people see green or both. I'm sure there's some sort of psychological explanation for all that, but we all have our own perspective on things. I am, by nature, a glass-half-empty person. I have this tendency to be like Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh, with this dark cloud following me around, and I have this innate ability to see all the bad in situations and notice all the bad in other people. But my wife is, by nature, a glass-half-full person. She has this amazing ability to see the good in people and things. And God has used her to help me see the half-full side of life instead of the half-empty. So I try to see things that way. But I have to admit that sometimes I just pretend to see the half-full. Maybe God made your spouse see things different to challenge your way of thinking. And maybe you need to learn how to see things from someone else's perspective. If you'll visit the website, fixeruppermarriage.org slash conflict, You'll see this illustration that I created. It's called The Love Balance. And all these things that I mentioned before are constantly pulling and pushing at each other. The husband has his own faith, his own backstory, his own personality, his own perspective. And the wife also has those same things, her own faith, her own backstory, her own personality, and her own perspective. And these things are constantly pulling and pushing at each other. Marriage is like this war of differences, but winning that war is not about getting your way. Instead, it's about learning how to let God change you. It's about give and take. And most of the time, marriage is more about giving than it is taking. 
And for all these conflicts to balance out, it requires you as a husband and requires you as a wife to learn how to love each other through these differences and conflicts, how to balance these things out in your life so that you learn how to love through those things. Sometimes in a relationship, one person just lets the other person like win, just have their way. Like the wife with a strong personality and the husband who just doesn't want to fight. Or the husband who just selfishly pushes the wife around, expecting her to submit to everything he wants. But marriage should not be that way. Marriage should be a give-and-take relationship. There should be a balance there with each other's past and history and perspectives. One of the most extensive and direct instructions for marriage is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. This is where the husband is compared to Christ and the wife is compared to the church. So the husband is to love and lead as Christ while the wife is to submit and love as a church. This is one of the most grossly misinterpreted parts of the Bible. There are many husbands who want to lead and be submitted to without dying like Christ did. And there are wives who want to be pampered and taken care of like the church, not having to serve like the church serves Christ. But when you understand that marriage is a life of give and take, it produces change in you. Everyone wants to get something out of love. But love is about giving, and the giving is what changes you. So marriage is a balance between all these differences. And if you handle them right, they are all balanced on the scale of love. That's when love changes you as a person. Through marriage, you learn how to practice humility. You learn how to love unconditionally. You learn how to trust someone completely. You learn to believe in a person without reservations. And you learn to serve another person. All these things work to make you more like Christ. God is using your marriage to change you. Conflict changes you through your reconciling. All these conflicts in your marriage force you to reconcile with the person you love. It's the only relationship you have on earth that you have to reconcile. If you have conflict with a friend or a pastor or coworker, you can avoid that person without having to reconcile those differences. But God gives you this relationship with your spouse that has a commitment that means you have to reconcile in some way to be able to move on. Now, I think that reconciliation may look different for different couples, but it is something that has to happen. There are things that reconciling forces you to give up. You must give up your pride. Marriage forces you to be humble toward your spouse. And it's a humility that strips away your arrogance and your assertiveness. In order to make things right in your relationship, you must concede your pride in some way. I'm the type of person I don't have a problem saying I'm sorry. But some people just won't or can't say it. But they show they're sorry in other ways. My dad happens to be one of these people. I never remember him saying, I love you, or I'm sorry. But he always showed us he was sorry by buying us ice cream or taking us somewhere. You have to concede your point of view. This is a big one. I have known people in my lifetime that just can't do this. 
They just can't concede that you were right and they were wrong. I mean, even if you're both wrong in some way, they just can't make themselves that vulnerable. In every other relationship, you can get away with this, except marriage. If you don't concede to your spouse, your marriage relationship will not survive. It will end in divorce, separation, or else it'll just digress into just two people living together. I think this happens to a lot of Christian people. They don't have divorce as an option, so they live in a miserable relationship with each other instead. That's not the way it should be. You also have to deconstruct yourself emotionally. Reconciling with your spouse forces you to deconstruct everything about yourself. This type of vulnerability is what makes marriage such an instrument of change. With each reconciliation, you lose something about yourself and find something completely new in your spouse. I think this is why making up with each other feels so good. There's this rush of emotion and conflict. Then a deep emotional revelation about yourself, followed by an acceptance by your spouse. It's like you become vulnerable and show a side of you that is completely hidden from everyone else. And when your spouse accepts that side of you, it gives you this incredible rush of love. So why is there conflict? Some couples don't argue because of their personalities or their backgrounds. Maybe they just don't like conflict, so they avoid it. Or they were taught not to argue. Or they seek ways to avoid confrontation at all. But whether you fight about it or not, the conflicts are still there. And if you don't deal with them, your relationship will suffer. That's why I think talking about those conflicts and facing them are better than not. But over time, as you deal with conflicts in your relationship and you allow God to use those things to change you, you will have less disagreements. I think it's crazy when I see a couple that's been married for 20 or 30 years and they're still at each other's throats. Obviously, those couples did not allow their conflicts to change them. But what if the conflicts in your marriage are never given the opportunity to adjust your love? If your love balance is never calibrated, there'll always be these underlying problems with yourself and your relationship. And if your love stays off balance, it's like a time bomb just waiting for the opportunity to detonate. Sometimes I think this is what happens to couples who serve in the ministry. They feel like they can never argue or disagree and therefore, conflicts never get addressed. It's like they feel like they're in this glass house and they can't have problems, much less resolve them. And then when things finally fall apart, they can't understand what happened because they didn't deal with the conflicts in their relationship. Not dealing with the conflicts is harmful to your relationship growth. Not only are you preventing your relationship from changing you, but you are not allowing your love to change and grow with each conflict. So you are robbing your relationship of the opportunity to change and grow with each conflict. Clearly from passages like Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 and 1 Peter 3, 1 through 12, God intends for the conflicts of marriage to change you. But the change is a process that occurs over time. What changes? You probably got married because of the way your spouse made you feel. But it doesn't take long to realize that there is much more to marriage. 
If you'll visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash conflict, you can see the love progression chart that outlines the progression of love in your relationship. First, it starts with attraction. And then from attraction, it moves on to love. And then that love progresses on to commitment. It's when you get engaged and you get married and you really take things to the next level. And then in your marriage, that commitment moves on to conflict. You learn all these things about each other from living and interacting with each other. And conflict comes. And from that conflict comes change. And that's the ultimate goal of marriage is the change that needs to occur in your life. It's the last two steps of that progression. They're the longest and the most critical. And as you allow the changes to occur in your relationship, there becomes more change than conflict. That's what being happily married means. It means you allow the inevitable conflicts of your relationship to not only change your marriage, but change you. So the final product of reconciliation is a change that occurs in your heart. Unfortunately, there aren't any shortcuts or easy ways to get there. It takes time, patience, and love. One of the most universally loved Bible verses of all time is found in Romans 8.28. But it's the first line of the next verse that puts everything into perspective. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Marriage is a part of the all things of Romans 8.28. And it's a special and unique part that works through a mutual covenant to change you as a person. If you ask someone why they got married, nobody says, so that God will use our relationship to change me. But that's exactly what happens for a Christian in marriage. Conflict also changes you through disappointments. And conflicts come from different sources. Again, if you'll visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash conflict. And you can see this illustration that I've made called the circle of love conflicts. And in the circle of love, you have the husband and wife in love. And then you have all these conflicts, these external things that are pulling at that relationship. There's interpersonal exchanges, there's outside relationships, and there's conditional challenges. So interpersonal relationships are what we've mostly been talking about. It's the inevitable conflict that occurs in the marriage relationship. Being together and living together exposes you both to the good and bad parts of each other. And there are even things that you would have otherwise never seen in your spouse. But by living together and loving each other, you learn about these things. And all those things can cause conflict in your relationship. Every couple will respond differently to those conflicts, but those conflicts are there whether you have a confrontation about it or not. Do you remember your first argument? I think most of ours have been over things that really didn't matter. But it's crazy how intense those arguments about trivial things can become. I think sometimes my wife and I try so hard to make each other happy that we overthink it and end up getting upset over it. Are Christians supposed to argue, though? Early in our marriage, I remember getting upset with each other on the way to church. Then we got to church, and we just had to put on a happy face until we can make things right later. But we've just learned over time how to prevent those conflicts. But it's like Christians aren't supposed to argue, right? While it's true that being filled with the Spirit can keep you from arguing, I mean, the intimate relationship of marriage 
is going to lend itself to conflict in one way or another. The key is in how you allow that conflict to change how the key is in how you allow that conflict to define your love. People who are not Christians can learn to change from conflicts in marriage too. It's because God designed marriage as this relationship that forces you to realize and confront your differences. And this process in itself changes you. But for the Christian with a relationship with God, that process draws you closer to the truths of the gospel. The conflict is designed to fundamentally alter your perspective of faith in Christ. So what do Christians learn through conflict? Well, you learn about grace. You learn how to have grace with each other. You learn about forgiveness. You learn all about reconciliation. And you even learn about sacrifice. And these are all things that you also experience through the gospel. So marriage can give you the ability to share the gospel from more of a personal understanding. Knowing how to experience these things through interpersonal exchanges makes you better at sharing those truths and your own experience with God. Growing up, I remember the chalkboard in school always being blurry. Growing up in school, I remember the chalkboard always looking blurry. But I thought it looked that way to everyone else too. I would even try to guess the answer to a problem on the board if my teacher called on me. It never occurred to me that something might be wrong until at age 15 when I went to get my learner's permit at the highway department. The person had me look into this machine and read off some random numbers and letters. Unfortunately, I was not able to get my permit because I could not see those random numbers and letters. But I guess it is important to be able to see the street signs while driving. So I had to visit the eye doctor to get a prescription for glasses. Putting those glasses on changed everything, even though I didn't realize that I needed them before. That's the way marriage changes you toward the gospel. I didn't know I needed to see the gospel this way until God showed it to me through my relationship with my wife. And every day, my prescription gets a little stronger. At the end of the day, for the Christian, marriage is about the gospel. But there's also outside relationships that try to pull and cause conflict in your marriage. This is when conflicts can get more difficult. You just don't marry another person. You marry their past, their family, their faith, and their friends, or frenemies. And those are people who you're friends with but are also competition against you. I learned that one from my teenage daughters. And you also create new relationships together. All these things play into the conflicts of your marriage. It's not as simple as just getting along. It's merging all these things together while still learning to love and treasure each other. Marriage isolates you from your family and friends, but in this odd way, it pulls all those relationships together. The moment you say, I do, your relationship becomes the most important one in the world. So in the intimacy of marriage, you're like alone on this island together. But outside of that intimacy are all the other relationships that you had before you were married. The challenging part is maintaining that intimacy while balancing all those outside relationships against it. You can't allow those outside relationships to break up the intimacy of the basic Bible principle of two becoming one. I think the biggest example of this are children. 
Your love creates these new lives and a whole new set of relationship challenges. I talked about this before in an episode entitled How You Can Have a Great Marriage After Having Children. You can find it at fixeruppermarriage.org slash children. But adding children creates a whole new dynamic into your love life. It makes it harder to keep loving each other, especially when you have the demanding needs of a newborn or the developing needs of a child. But it's just another force that is pushing you toward change, inching you closer to where God wants you to be. But it's all conflicts that God has coded into marriage to push you toward that change. If you can learn to maintain your love and intimacy through these things, you can learn to maintain your love and intimacy with God. And learning that changes everything. And there are also conditional challenges that come into your marriage and into your life. These are things that happen to everyone. This is when things go wrong. When you're like dating or in the honeymoon phase of marriage, you just think, I mean, what could possibly ever go wrong? But you discover this relationship law that things do go wrong. And those things can cause conflict and derail your relationship if you let them. Or those same things can change you for the better. So here are some things that can and probably will go wrong. Health. Most wedding vows include the words in sickness and in health. But no one really stops to think about it at the time. I've thought a lot lately about marriage being this give and take relationship, but most of the time you give more than you take. This is just one of those areas where you have to give more than you take. Marriage is a partnership, but if your partner can't do their part, you have to temporarily or maybe even permanently take their responsibility for it. This is a conflict in marriage, and it's a conflict that has the potential to bring about the biggest change in your life. By giving yourself to care for your spouse and loving them through these type of things, you experience a type of love that is like the love that Jesus has for us. It's like your marriage becomes a living example of gospel love. It means you're loving and giving, and the only thing you're getting in return is that person. Finances can also be a problem in marriage. Money doesn't matter when you first fall in love. It's like you don't need anything but each other. But as you move along in your relationship, money starts to matter a little bit more, doesn't it? And money problems can lead to big relationship problems. I do have a podcast episode about this entitled 11 Ways to Keep Money from Destroying Your Marriage. You can find it at fixeruppermarriage.org slash money. We've learned in our marriage that even though money is important, it doesn't have to affect our love for each other. I mean, you try your best to handle your money right and be wise, but at the end of the day, Loving each other is more important. No, love doesn't pay the rent, but you can still love each other when you're having trouble paying it. Realizing this changes your marriage and it changes you. Then there are personal things that happen. There are things that you just can't talk about to other people. Those problems in your life can cause conflicts that are so intimate that you can only share it with each other. But the good thing is you don't have to face those things alone when you're married. These things can pull at your relationship, but if you allow God to help you through them, they will change your marriage and you. 
is like I said earlier, in some ways, marriage puts you on like this private island together. It forces you to use your love to work through things together. Every life in marriage is different and faces different types of problems. But the problem is not as important as what you do with it. They can pull you apart or they can draw you closer together. These are conflicts that every marriage has to face. Honestly, most people get married with some level of self-centered motivation. Maybe it's how the other person makes you feel or the happiness that marriage could bring. After all, you get married and live happily ever after, just like the Disney movies, right? Marriage is not a destination, though. It's a journey. And the great thing is you get to take that journey with someone you love. But what happens is in that journey, it strips away all of those selfish reasons that led you to get married in the first place. And then you learn how to really love each other. And learning how to love that way is what changes you. Another point of conflict comes from family dynamics. Maybe it's problems on one side and not the other or even both sides. Ultimately, the side you should be on is your spouse. Even though those family relationships run deep, you should be on the side of your spouse. There's this old saying that blood is thicker than water, and I think there's a lot of truth to it because most of the time people side with their blood family no matter what. And really, I guess at the end of the day, family is with you for life, so I get it. But your spouse is more important than your family. Let me say that again. Your spouse is more important than your family. So when you have this type of conflict, it allows you to have a deeper understanding of love and commitment with each other. And then there's church conflicts. I mean, for a Christian, church problems are the worst kind of problems to have. After all, Christians are not supposed to struggle and have problems. So every Christian, to some extent, puts on a church mask when they go. And when that mask slips off, it's hard to accept. Maybe your friends leave and it puts you in a weird place. Or a church leader makes a mistake. Go figure. Several years ago, my wife and I discovered a problem with our view of some other Christians. We treated some people that we looked up to in our church family as being on a higher level, or as we say, a pedestal. But it wasn't really fair to them or us. One day something happened and we realized that they struggled with some of the same things that we did. And it was shocking. We didn't just plan on putting them on a pedestal. It just happened. And when they fell off of it, we had to readjust our thinking. Now I try to treat everyone with the same respect and the level of understanding Because at the end of the day, we're all only human. But church problems are some of the hardest problems to cope with. But those conflicts are there to change you. And together in marriage, you're able to process those changes together. Anytime you deal with people, there's going to be conflict and church is no different. But learning how to deal with those things changes you as a person and changes your marriage. Conflicts have a reason. For a Christian, that reason is clear. In James 1.3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh 
patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be entire, wanting nothing. God is using these things, the things that you are facing, the conflicts that you have in your marriage, to produce change in your life. And when you're married, the great thing is you get to experience these challenges, these changes together. But are you allowing God to change you? How conflicts can change you? They can change you through your differences. They can change you through your disagreements. They can change you through your reconciling. And they can change you through your disappointments. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. For notes and references, as well as how to subscribe to our newsletter, visit fixerupermarriage.org slash conflict. If you found this episode helpful today, share it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.